Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. The Danny Mac Show with BK Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. And the 3-2, lifted in the air, deep center, gone! Dylan Carlson, home run number 11. It comes on a 3-2 pitch, Cardinals back on top, and it's 2-1. And a high drive, deep center field, Vader back, he's out of room, it's out of here! Cesar Hernandez with a two-run homer, puts the Indians back on top, 3-2 is... There's another long fly ball. This one is not coming back. Deep into the bullpen. Brad Meal two for two, and the Franimal makes good on his pledge to Andre. He's got another one coming, and there it goes. Brown ball, broken bat style in the third. Ernie Clement throws him out, book it. The Indians split the series with St. Louis, winning convincingly here today by a final score of 7-2. to two. The Franimal, yeah, he was on fire. That was uh, Fran Mill Reyes yesterday. Welcome into the show, Thursday edition of the Danny Mac Show on 101 ESPN. 7-2 the final. That is BK. I'm Danny Mac. Tanner is with us. Good morning, guys. How we doing? I'm great, Dan. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. Um, I really wanted to see the Cardinals win that game. That was one of the games I was thinking that, you know what, there's a little momentum going into it after the night before, coming back late. Uh, they just didn't get the pitching. KK was not sharp, and he didn't strike out anybody. Jimmy Edmonds made the point during the telecast yesterday on Bally Sports. He was 100% right, in my opinion. One of the things that he does, KK is not going to overpower you, but you have to be able to pitch in and establish the inside portion of the strike zone. He was not able to do that, and the Indians just teed off on him. I mean, Framel Reyes had about literally 900 feet worth of home runs, and they weren't cheapies. I mean, they got after him, and that was the game. We said going into this series, hey, there's like three guys in this lineup that can really hurt you. And unfortunately, one of them was Reyes, and he really hurt you yesterday. And that was basically the story of the game. They had the homers in the previous game. The Cardinals were the team that hit the homers, and they won. This game's pretty simple sometimes to break down. If you're giving up the long ball, you're not going to have a good chance of being able to come back from that. KK's start yesterday had so much extra importance to me, Dan, because of what's coming to in the rotation. You have Jake Woodford uh, and you have Wade LeBlanc this weekend prior to Adam Wainwright's start on Sunday. And this almost feels to me like when you have a when you have a bad bullpen and you have the lead going into the seventh inning. And you're certain up like, guys are available and certain guys aren't. I you're got up you. Like two to one. And you feel good about it, but then you get to the bullpen and you are just holding on to the bottom of your seat waiting to see what happens in the next three innings to find out if you're going to be able to get through this thing. That's where the Cardinals are right now. When you go into these spots in your rotation, you're just not sure what you're going to get. It might be good or it might not be. And if it's not, it puts you even more behind the eight ball as the Cardinals are now nine games back in the division as we're about 24 hours away from the deadline. Yeah, 24 hours away from the deadline. We're going to visit with Ryan Fagan of the Sporting News Senior Baseball Writer. Looking forward to that. That's coming up at around uh, 10.15 or so. So Kim gave up three home runs in a four-batter span in the third inning. 
Gave up more home runs yesterday than he had all of last year. So it was a career high for him. Last year, 39 innings pitched. He gave up three homers, but he gave up three in one inning. Span of four batters, four total. And Mike Schilt, what happened with KK in that loss? I mean, you know, he's um, been pretty darn good, so we give him a give him a break. Um, he could be a number of things, just not a feel for the ball, not a feel for, uh, I, I don't know, you know, it could be any number of things. You know, has something to do with their hitters, too. They put some good swings on some baseballs that were um, up, and they made him pay, so... That's probably a combination of things. So it's interesting that the Cardinals have an off day with the trade deadline, as you mentioned, 24 hours away. It's the last game the Cardinals will play before the deadline. That is tomorrow. The Cardinals now 51-51, and 51, back to 500. As uh, BK mentioned, nine back of the Brewers. They're seven back of the Padres for the last wild card spot. Cardinals are now 6-4 and four in their last 10, 11-10 and 10 in the month of July. They've been around a 500 team, playing a little bit better, though, here recently. This is the interesting part about it, though, BK. When you're in the wild card, it's not just one team you're chasing. You're chasing usually by, let's say, the middle of August, late to August, September. You you got to hurdle a lot of teams. You got to hurdle if you're in the Cardinals' position, three or four teams to potentially get there. We'll see how it shakes out. That's what makes the wild card difficult. When you're chasing just one team and you have head to head, which the Cardinals have with the Brewers, that's a different story. So. Going into this series, it's a big home stand. These are teams that I would assume Minnesota looks different. Like Barrios is supposed to start on Friday night for the Twins. Does he make that start? He's been one of the most commonly mentioned names among starting pitching. Um, you Pineda, look, I think, is on Sunday, exactly. if I'm not mistaken. And we don't know if he's going to be there either. That's another one. So teams are going to change here very quickly in the next 24 hours. Some teams have already changed, like Milwaukee, the Yankees, Seattle, Houston with what they've done with their bullpen, some others. So it's going to be an interesting 24 hours. Looking to uh, looking forward to hearing what Ryan Fagan has to say. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for the next 24 hours. And it's also, you mentioned uh, the wild card standings and how many teams there are kind of right around that same spot as the Cardinals. I saw a quote from Dave Dombrowski the other day of the Phillies talking about how because of where they are in the NL East, their division, that is going to be instructive for them on what they do at the deadline. And I think that's important for Cardinals fans to remember. All of this, like, if you look at the records, right now the Phillies and the Cardinals are basically mirror images of one another. If you look at their situations, though, they're entirely different. Because the Phillies are in in a division that is very winnable for them this season. The Cardinals, it's just hard to say if that's the case or not, because you don't know with the Brewers. But if you're just going by the numbers... It's not very winnable for you right now. You're nine games out. The Brewers have what appears to be a slump-proof rotation with a top three in that rotation. That's a good way to put studs. it. I like how you put that. It does seem slump-proof. I mean, because when you've got three guys, win. you feel good about it. I, I mentioned this the other day, and I think it would shock uh, the casual baseball fan. So what is Milwaukee? How many games above 500? They're probably 13, 14? Somewhere around there because okay. they're nine games up on the Cardinals. So... Now, so. Um, I said this yet. 18 games above. They're 18 now? My God. So think about this, BK. I said on the the telecast yesterday, and you know I dive into a lot of numbers. Numbers do tell the story, not all of them, but they they lead you in a direction. As a team, hitting-wise, and you can say what you want about batting average, because OPS is really where it's at. That's what teams look at. But I still look at batting average because I think there's something to it. That's just my personal opinion. So um, they are in the M- Milwaukee Brewers, I think, are third from the bottom in Major League Baseball on average. And you say, well, how, do, how, how can you be like deficient offensively, but yet you're 18 games above 500 and you hit it on the head 100 percent? 
your rotation is uh, bulletproof if you want. It's mm-hmm. it's slump proof. It's going to get you a win when you get three hits in a game sometimes, or you're only going to get five hits and you don't get a timely hit. Well, the other team ain't getting them either because Brandon Woodruff is dealing and Peralta and some of the others, and the back end of their bullpen is really good. Now, they did add a very good bat, in my opinion, Eduardo Escobar from the Diamondbacks uh, for Cooper Hummel and infielder Alberto Keprian. And uh, you know what? Eduardo Escobar saw him when he came through St. Louis. We saw him in Arizona. He's from the Diamondbacks. He's a good player. That's going to help their lineup because Yelich has not been Yelich. So you got to find others, and maybe this guy helps him out. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, Yelich on the IL right now That's as correct. well. Um, I think COVID, COVID. situation yep. for him. Yep. So they've got to they've got to figure that out. But yeah, this is all about their defense, and it's about their pitching. But they do need a little bit more in their lineup. They've got to get more offensively from them, and Escobar is going to be a, hel- a helpful piece to that. Dan, this reminds me a lot of the kind of move that John Mozeliak would make if he were in the Brewer situation. It's not the flashiest name in the world. It's not even as big of a name as Joey Gallo yesterday. Uh, It sounds like the Yankees are finalizing a deal to acquire him. It's not on that level. But he's going to help them. And he's in a spot where they needed a little bit more from their lineup. It's the kind of thing that Mo would do if he was in the Brewers situation. And I'm impressed to see the Milwaukee Brewers making these urgent moves to be able to improve their roster. They did it earlier this season with Willie Adamas, and they're doing it once again on their infield to improve the lineup. I'm I'm fascinated to see what that team looks like as we get into September, and they're going head-to-head against the Cardinals. I just did some quick math, Dan. We mentioned where they're at, 60-41. and Cardinals 51-51 and now on the season. Cardinals would have to go 40 and 20 and the Brewers would have to go 30 and 31 down the stretch for the Cardinals to finish ahead of the Brewers. 40 and 20 would be one hell of a stretch for this team. That's and winning 67% of your games the rest of the way. And a lot of it against the Milwaukee head Brewers. Head. That's right. So that's the way you have to look at it. Uh, going back to the Cardinals, one guy we know that will not be traded, I'll go out on a limb and say this, will be Dylan Carlson, and he did homer uh, yesterday in the ballgame. We got good vibes out there, no different than any other time, really. The focus is just winning each and every ball game. You know, I'd, I'd say the vibes and the way the clubhouse is is the same as always as far as just going out there competing and trying to make things happen. Well, that's good. Uh, got to have good vibes. You also have to win, and you got to win with Nolan Arenado in the lineup. A scary moment yesterday for the Cardinals. It was fifth inning. Gets a fastball, 94 miles an hour on the back. Uh, they, they were calling it, and I'm saying the back arm, they were calling it a forearm contusion. Looked more like it got his elbow. He did stay in the game, BK, so he goes down to first. It was a long look um, you know, by the medical team with him, and he's at first base, and all of a sudden... Uh, the inning ends, he grabs his glove, he's going out there, and he's just like, you know what, I, I think it was the right thing to do. I mean, you're down by five, Great. you know, you got the day off today, get the ice or whatever medical treatment needs to be done, and Mike Schilt did give an update on what's happening with Nolan. Yeah, I mean, thankfully it looks like um, it got mostly meat, so uh, obviously off day tomorrow will help, he'll get treatment. Uh, spoken with him after the game, he's optimistic that um, he'll be in there when we get back and start playing again on Friday in St. Louis, but... Um, you know, got him pretty good. Had a kind of more of a stinger. Didn't have as much feel for his um, in his hands, shaking a little bit. So didn't want to justify him trying to go out and play defense. 
She yep. also said after that, Dan, it, it basically seems like it's a funny bone situation. Yeah. You got hit right on the funny bone. And if you've ever, and you probably have, you're in the kitchen, you got the uh, the cabinet door open, you hit your funny bone on it, you, you can't feel your arm. Yes. And that's where you end up with the your clasping at your hand. And if, and by the way, it was the right arm, too. So it's its throwing arm. Exactly. You don't want to mess with that. So uh, it was the right decision, I think, to take him out. I just hope that it's nothing. Schultz also said you just never know with the nerves that are kind of in that that spot what that's going to look like fingers crossed everything's fine and he ends up being okay for friday if he's not obviously that's a huge loss but for now uh, let's operate under the assumption that mike schultz corrects we'll go optimistic here and that everything's going to be a-okay with arenado so they need him there's a lot of rumors uh there's some things that have come to fruition with major league baseball in terms of trades we're going to get into that later in the show we're going to talk it over with ryan fagan of the sporting news coming up this is the danny mac show with bk the podcast powered by i promise Danny Max show with BK on a Thursday rolls on and the Cardinals. We just kind of did a deep dive into what happened with the Cardinals yesterday against Cleveland. It's an off day today and tomorrow Minnesota in town. Long homestand coming up at Bush Stadium. Always love uh, the privilege, the pleasure to talk it over with Ryan Fagan of the Sporting News, who specifically is covering the sport of baseball and I'm sure isn't uh, a second away from his phone with what is happening in baseball here in the next 24 hours. So the trade deadline is almost over, but this is when it gets a lot of fun today. Hey, Ryan, uh, great to hear your voice and Thanks for hopping on. How you doing? I'm doing great, Danny. I really enjoy talking with you every time. You too. Um, let's talk about the trade deadline. Anything surprise you yet, and what are you expecting here in the next 24 hours? Well, I think there are still a lot of the big dominoes that need to fall. You know, Max Scherzer is almost certainly going to be traded somewhere, and where he gets moved kind of dictates where the other starting pitchers get moved because there are, there are almost more teams out there that want starting pitchers than – starting pitchers that are readily available. Um, so Scherzer's a big domino to fall. We, we still haven't seen Chris Bryant moved. We've seen some of the other secondary position players, like guys like Starling Marte going to the A's, which I thought was a great pickup for them. And I thought the, the Marlins did a, a great job in getting Luzardo back in, in that trade. And we saw the Brewers pick up Eduardo Escobar. So we've seen some of the position players move, but, but Bryant is still the, the piece. He's the guy that, that every contender wants. And the reason every contender wants him is because every contender can find a place to play him because he can play third base. He can play first base. He can play either corner position, corner outfield position, and he can fill in at center field. I mean, if you're looking for a trade deadline acquisition, you know, you don't necessarily want a guy who can only play first base, right? You want a guy who can help fill in when injuries happen, when the unexpected happens, because that's how you survive October is you're able to adjust. You have a lineup and a, a roster that has the ability to be flexible, and Bryant provides that better than than any other player out there right now and also you know, an MVP caliber bat too. Ryan, it's been interesting to watch the prices on some of these deals as well because typically what yeah. you'd see is the relievers are the ones that more often than not get bid up and you've got astronomical prices on them. And then the position players, normally I'm kind of underwhelmed by what they're able to get in return. Well, this year it's been almost the opposite. The relievers, a lot of them have gone for a reasonable price. And then it's Starling Marte and Joey Gallo that got the massive haul in return. Do you think that's something that will sustain over the next 24 hours or so? Do you, or do you expect we're going to start seeing some bigger prices paid for the pitching? I think you'll see when, when you see the bigger name pitchers move. I think that's when you'll see it. You know, I think Scherzer 
even though a team is only going to have him for a short amount of time unless they work out some sort of extension, he's going to bring a, a big haul. You know, and because he's the type of guy that, you know, you're not trading for Max Scherzer to help get you to October, right? You're trading for Max Scherzer because you think you can hand him the ball in Game 6 or Game 7 of the World Series and feel like you have a good chance of winning. And what's the cost of that in terms of prospects? It's a lot higher than some of the guys that we've seen moved, right? And so I think you will see some bigger prices. Um, you know, a guy like Craig Kimbrell is going to fetch uh, – a, a very big haul too, because he also has the the club option for 2020, 2022. So I think you're going to see bigger prices on some of those guys, but you know, it's, it's a different era. You know I mean? 10, 15, 20 years ago, you saw big name prospects get moved all the time. Um, you don't see that as much. And they kind of call that, that phenomenon, I guess, um, prospect hoarding because nobody wants to give away the guys who could become, great stars for the next five, 10 years. And that's, you know, about uh, financials, but it's also about, you don't want to be the guy who traded away the next, you know, two time MVP in a, a deal for a rental. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out over the next couple, the next couple of days. Ryan Fagan of the sporting news is our guest. I, I have not heard this question asked, and I don't know if this question is completely like off the wall nuts, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> um, as we all know, when you're going to trade a guy, you know, you're going to look at the medicals. You're going to see, uh, you know, how's the, the shoulder, the elbow, anything that's up to date that the team can have to offer to the other team to make sure you're on the up and up. So Trey Turner has said, okay, uh, the Nationals yep. have come out and said, all right, well, you know, everybody is, uh, uh, we could trade with the exception of Juan Soto. Trey Turner right now is on the COVID list. I, I am curious, if you're going to get a rental, are teams going to find out whether or not a player has been vaccinated? Because you could be in a stretch of really important baseball or you're in the playoffs and all of a sudden a guy pops positive and he's gone. And you've made this deal and you gave up those prospects that you're talking about and you're thinking, oh, no, what have we done here? Have you heard anything about that, Ryan? I'm just I'm thinking outside the box here. It might be a crazy question, but I am curious about it. That, that's a great question. I've not actually thought about that, whether they would be you know, some players have offered up that they were vaccinated. A lot of them have. Um, I don't want to say it's safe to assume, but it's not crazy to assume that anyone who said I don't want to talk about it probably is not. And, and it does make a difference. You're right, because, you know, even because we know even vaccinated players, vaccinated people can still catch COVID, right? They can still test positive. Sure. But the difference between how sick they get can make a big impact on a playoff series or on, on a playoff race, because, you're right. I mean, if, if somebody like if somebody gets it and they get knocked out, you know, I mean, like Freddie Freeman talked about in the offseason, he had it and it was about as sick as he'd ever been, right? That's a, there's a big difference between that and a vaccinated player catching it and sitting out the minimum number of days that they're required to, and then coming back at basically full strength because it wasn't that it didn't impact them that much. So that's that's a great question. I think you know it. I, I would imagine, and again, this is just speculation, but I would imagine that any team that trades for a player is going to know what that player's vaccination status is, even if they don't talk about it publicly. Hey, Ryan, I'm curious. What's your view on the Brewers? Because I think for the majority of the season, we viewed them kind of the way that we early on viewed the Giants, where it's like, okay, yeah, they're, they're a good story and they're, they're a pretty good team, but they're eventually going to come back to the pack. 
Well, we're 102 games into the season for the Brewers, and they're 60 yeah. and 42 now. They have a better record than the Padres, and they're right on the heels of the Dodgers in terms of one of the best records in the National League. How do you view this team? Do you think they are as good as we've seen so far? They're they're a very good team, and I'll say this, and this may sound strange, but I think they're a better postseason team than they are regular season. Teams, I agree, right? Because the idea of facing the three starting pitches that they have in Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodford and Freddie Peralta in a best of five, best of seven series is terrifying, quite frankly. You know, I, I, I think that they've done a good job this year of winning the games that those guys start and competing in the other ones, right? You know, Zach, you know, Zach Davies has been good. I think that they've had, they've had issues offensively, and that's why you've seen them go out and make some deals. And you know, they traded for Escobar, they traded for Roddy Telez. You know, they've tried to address that, and I still think that they might have more moves to do um, when it comes to kind of solidifying themselves for the rest of the season. But, you know, if it was a division like, let's just say this, I don't think they would be able to win the NL West over 162 games, but I think they have more than enough to cruise to what it will take to win the NL Central. You can imagine folks here in St. Louis, you live here, but you covered baseball uh, nationally and do such a fabulous job with it, uh, with the sporting news. I love how you think outside the box with your stories. It's great stuff. Matter of fact, I steal a lot of it for the game, so sorry about that. I probably uh, owe you (laughs) some residuals. Um, But I am curious what you think the Cardinals may do in the next 24 hours, if anything. But um, it sounds like John Mosaloc is leaning towards pitching, but what do you think they may do? Well, I think that 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 has to be the area of need. You know, I mean, I think even if you know, best case scenario, Jack Flaherty and Miles Michaelis come back and and they pitch like they they would expect them to over the second half of the season, you, you still you have to get you have to have some sort of reserves. I mean, you know, Derek Gould wrote a piece in the Post. I think it came out today that was talking about the difference in the Cardinals' record between when a pitcher starting pitcher throws five innings and when they don't. Right? It's it's night and day. It's like fourteen three in the last 17 games where the starting pitcher has thrown at least five in the third, right? That's, that's really significant, right? And I think the question is, is, like, how much do the Cardinals want to go after this year, right? I mean, like, what level of starting pitcher are they going to go out and get? Are they going to try to make a trade for, like, a Tyler Anderson like the Mariners did, a guy who's going to give you five innings pretty consistently, but he's not going to give you six shutout very often, right? So they go out and they trade for a guy like that, maybe even throw like a Merrill Kelly from the Diamondbacks, the guy who slots into the back of the rotation. Or do they try to make a, a bigger deal and go out after a guy who could be a bigger impact type guy, like a guy like Kyle Gibson? You know, I think uh, you know Cardinals fans have talked about him for a, a long time. And, you know, obviously with his Mizzou connections, there's, there are a lot of St. Louis connections there. I just don't see the Cardinals winning any sort of bidding war um, over the next two days. I just don't see that happening. Um, because again, you have to look at where they are right now. You know, I mean, they're they're they've been stuck around 500 for ever. Um, it feels like, and it would take a lot to catch the Brewers. And basically, to get into the postseason, you have to catch the Brewers because if you catch the Brewers, then you're going to probably catch the, the the Padres, who are right now the second wild card. You have to get to that level. You have to play 650 balls over the rest of the season, and. You have to look at it and say, well, is this team capable of doing that? And I'm just not sure that that the front office is excited to spend the prospect capital that it would take to go out and get one of those um, top-notch starting pitchers like a Gibson or even like a, a Jose, Jose Barrios from the Twins, who would be amazing, but 
he has another year of control and it's going to cost a lot. Yeah, we did the math earlier, Ryan, and it's basically you'd have to go 40 and 20 and the Brewers would have to go 30 and 31 down the stretch for you to be able to catch them. And you kind of referred to this here in your last answer, but I want to ask a little bit of a follow up here. Do you think this team, the Cardinals, as currently constructed, is capable of going 40 and 20? Capable, yes. Likely to, no. (laughs) I think that the pieces are there, and if they get the starting pitching, if the guys come back healthy and they get consistently good outings, you know, the defense is good enough, they can win games, you know, four to three, three to two, five to four. They can win those types of games. You know, I think that they just haven't had enough of that lately, and there's not been anything over the past couple months that has shown that they have the consistency to play 40 and 20 baseball over the rest of the season. There's just, there's just not been anything to show that they'll, they'll do that. I mean, but on the other hand, crazy things happen in baseball. I mean, how far were the, were the Cardinals behind the Braves a couple of years ago? You know, 11 games back in September, something like that, and they made that comeback. And, like, these types of things happen, and that's why it's so fun to watch baseball because crazy stuff happens. Crazy rallies happen. Crazy long stretches of great play happen. Flip playoff races. Uh, so it, it could happen. I, you know, I'm just not sure that I would put it into the likely category. Ryan Fagan is uh, our guest from the Sporting News. What team do you think will be the most active here in the next 24 hours? I think the Mets, um, in terms of a buyer, because they, they they really have to. You know, they 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 have this golden opportunity, right? The uh, the NL East is, is pretty bad this year. You know, they're they've scored you know 98 runs fewer than the Braves, and yet they're five games ahead of the Braves in the standing. So, you know, I mean, they have this golden opportunity. They have the pieces. If Jacob DeGrom's healthy and Marcus Stroman's throwing like he has all year, they have a lineup that if those guys are producing, you know, Pete Alonzo and if Francisco Lador comes back and plays like he had his entire career, they have a chance to really do something special. But they have flaws, and they have to address those. And I think when you add in the fact that they have this new owner, Steve Cohen, who has all this tons of money, and he wants to make a big impact. He wants to give his fans a playoff berth. You know, you can't sit still at the trade deadline and watch the Phillies or the Braves rally and win the NL East with 88 wins when the Mets finished with 87 because they didn't do anything at the trade deadline. Right? That can't happen, and it won't happen. So I think they're going to be very aggressive. And if you're talking about the sellers, it's going to be the Cubs. You know, I mean, because Bryant's going to be gone, and Kimbrell's going to be gone and probably Anthony Rizzo, maybe Javi Baez. You're going to see a a couple more guys uh, moved off that team as well. Hey, Ryan, final question that I have for you. Uh, Here in St. Louis, one of the big questions that I have about the team down the stretch is, what does the next 60 games mean for Paul DeYoung's future here in St. Louis? You've talked about uh, Trevor's story and what he's gonna his future looks like at the deadline. He's also a free agent after the year. You've got Corey Seager, Carlos Correa, Trevor Simeon, all uh, Marcus Simeon, excuse me, all going to be free agents at the end of the year. It's a lot of options available for you, big time yeah. shortstop options. What do you think the next sixty games means for Paul DeYoung? I think they're huge. You know, I mean, obviously he's got a bit of financial security. The Cardinals gave him a multi-year deal a couple years ago, but. You know, at some point you have to produce, right? You have to produce consistently. And he hasn't been the same guy over uh, on a consistent basis in a couple of years. You know, he hasn't been the guy that was the reason that they gave him the, the contract, the 30 home run guy. He just hasn't been that. You know, and at some point you have to be that if you're going to occupy a position like that, especially when there are so many options that are going to be available to the team. Now, not cheap options, mind you. None of those guys you mentioned are going to sign for a fraction 
of what DeYoung's contract is giving him right now. Um, but again, it depends on you know what, what do the Cardinals want to be. Do the Cardinals want to be a team that is competing for the best talent and is, uh, are attracting the best talent and bringing these guys into the ball club in a, a goal to win the World Series? Or are they going to play a guy who hasn't produced at his expected level for a couple of years and they keep him around because he's under contract? I mean, that's the question. And, and he has to prove, and he can, but he has to prove that he's that 30 home run guy. He's that guy that can be a consistent force in the lineup, a guy who hits in the five hole, not a guy who is hitting seven or eight in the lineup. Uh, what are you working on right now at the Sporting News, Ryan, that I can steal for this weekend? Just give me a heads up. <laughs> most of most right now it's uh, about the trade deadline. I got a story coming about Toronto going back to um, back to back to Toronto. That's going to be great. Players talk to Bo, yeah, Bo Bichette and Marcus Semyon at the All Star game just about what it's been like playing. You know, and Marcus Semyon was what stood out to me was he was like it's just the ball is different, right? He's like the ball acts differently in a major league ballpark because. They're bigger parts. He's like you play. We play in Dunedin, you know, the spring training home where they started the season, and you hit a pop up, and you don't know what it's going to do because the winds will blow it in a way that it won't happen in the, in the major league ballpark. So I think it's just little stuff like that that the Jays are just very, very excited to get back to Toronto finally. Yeah, looking forward to that. As always, Ryan, uh, we appreciate you coming on and and giving us a lot of great knowledge and what's happening with the major league baseball. And always, you can read Ryan's work at the Sporting News. That's Ryan Fagan. Thanks, Ryan, for hopping on. Yep, anytime, guys. That is Ryan Fagan of the Sporting News. I, I was watching the Blue Jays, uh, I guess it was probably BK maybe three weeks ago, and um, they were getting ready to go. Well, I guess they were still in Florida, so it's been a while now. So they were getting ready to pack up from Dunedin, then go to Buffalo, and then still was kind of out there, well, we hope to get to Toronto. Now they're going to go to their third city. And again, these guys are paid handsomely. This is part of the job. You you hop all around. But think about picking up your family again, finding housing for those that do have families or little kids that are with them at home. I mean, that's a nightmare, man, what those guys are going through. And I really do think it's affected them because they're better than what they've played. I, I, I'm i a big believer in the Toronto Blue Jays. They were my pick in the beginning of the season to, to really do a lot of damage. They haven't. But I got to wonder if that's kind of a byproduct of what's going on. Is that you're just you're uncertain about even just your home life, things like that. I don't know. Like if we had a pie pie chart of what the blame is for why the Blue Jays right now are at 50 and 48 and 10 and a half back in their division. I don't know how much of that chart is taken up by this, but I know that there's some percentage on that chart that's taken up by this because it's it's tough, man. It's we talked about it with the Blues. We've talked about it with the Cardinals. What impacts did it have last year that there were no fans in the stand? I don't know. I don't know what percentage that was, but there was absolutely some impact on them. And it's the same thing different, but the same thing for the Blue Jays. What impacts did that have? I legitimately do not know. I don't know that we'll ever truly know the answer to that question, but we know that it hurt them in some regard. Absolutely. Um, anything stand out from the interview with Ryan that, that caught your attention? You're always making notes. I'm curious. What do yeah, you got? I, I think the biggest thing to me that he said was that the Brewers are almost a better postseason team than they are. Wait a minute. I said that in the first segment. I said something along those lines, and now you listen to him, but not me? I know, but the way he said it really resonated oh, okay. with me, Dan. Gotcha. <laughs> Understood. It, it brought me back to 2019, and it made me think of that Nationals team. Because as much as we think about Rondon and some of the superstars that they have in the lineup for the Nationals, those guys became stars because of what they did in some regard in the postseason. Who's going to be that guy for the Brewers? 
Who's going to step up in that lineup to be that version of Rondon from what he did in their postseason run for the Brewers? Because Christian Yelich has the potential to be that guy. We've seen it over the course of a full season, right? He's been an MVP. Can he do that in the postseason after what's been a down year? He certainly is capable of it. a down year and a half now Absolutely. Um, He's capable of it. If they can get somebody, maybe multiple somebodies, that can step up in that lineup, their rotation can be what the 2019 Nationals rotation was for them in the postseason. And every year, there's somebody that steps up, whether it's Yelich, Escobar, Lorenzo Cain. Somebody will step up, and if they make a run, you're going to look at them and go, oh, that guy... Randy Rosarena became a folk hero because of that. That's how it works. And also, there's a similarity, too, with the Brewers and the Nationals because they really rode out the big guys that were the great starters, the Scherzers, the Strasburgs that lifted them to that next level. Brewers have that capability, Mm -hmm. too, potentially. We'll see. Uh, We'll go around Major League Baseball next with some of the rumors and different things that are happening with the trade deadline uh, 24 hours away. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Danny Mac Show on a Thursday on 101 ESPN. That is BK, Brandon Kiley. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Uh, We're going to go around Major League Baseball here in our final segment. I got to say this, though, a little shameless plug. I am uh, off after the show to go MC the Legends Luncheon for the Ascension Charity Classic. Uh, Rennie Nod of Channel 5 is going to be a part of this as well. This is at Norwood Hills Country Club. It's kind of the kickoff for the Ascension Charity Classic coming in uh, late September. But how cool is this? They're going to have on stage Jack Nicholas and uh, Tom Watson. Okay, so for, that's about as good for as anybody that's going to be there, that's pretty cool. Yeah. For Danny Mack, i got to ask you, how cool is this? Uh, this is pretty darn cool. I love golf. My family plays a ton of golf. And uh, they're golfers. I'm a hack. I'm okay with it. I'm over it. But I love to play it. I love to follow it. I watch it every week. If you walked into my house right now, BK, uh, depending if you were in like one room or another and TVs are on, it's on the Golf Channel. We don't watch ESPN. I have to go downstairs to watch MLB, and everything else is Golf Channel. So this is about as good as it gets. And people ask me all the time, like, who's the best guy you've been around and interviewed or whatever? I did a Zoom um, to promote this with Jack Nicholas probably about a month and a half ago. They gave me uh, an exclusive with him. So it was like 10 or 15 minutes. It was awesome. I mean, he could not have been any nicer. He was funny. He was glib. He was um, I, I get humble. You know, all the things that you would hope that he might be. And then, you know how it works in an interview. If you tape it, you get a little chance to talk afterwards. Could not have been any nicer. And the first thing he says to me, he goes, Dan... Heard I'm uh, I'm coming on with you, and I had to wear my red shirt because I uh, got to show a little support for the Cardinals here. I love it, you know. So he he knows how to do it. He's been interviewed a million times. And is and this your first time that you'll meet him in person? Yes, yeah. that's got to be pretty cool for oh, you. Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. So looking forward to that's Tom awesome. Watson and and Jack Nicholas and the Ascension Charity Classic. By the way, is donating. Last year the ter- the tournament got canceled because of COVID. They still shelled out like six to seven hundred thousand dollars of charitable checks to three different places that support um, the youth in North County. So this is all about trying to help out North County, and they've done just an incredible job with that. Steve Spratt, Nick Ragone, all those behind the scenes, and it's been a long, long work in progress to get um, just to get it up and running, safety, uh, the corporate support is stepped up again in St. Louis, so it's really going to be cool. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I've heard Tom Watson's like one of the greatest people in the world, so you'll enjoy that, I think. I, I am. By the way, I did a Zoom last year. It was Hale Irwin, 
Watson, Nicholas. I did not moderate, but I emceed the the event, and those three were on there. And I mean, they are giving it to each other. It was because a private setting yeah. wasn't going anywhere. And I mean, they are just—I got goosebumps. They're just going back and forth, giving it to each other. Like, why did you do this to me in the open on this? You know, I mean, it's just—it's fun stuff. So, looking forward to that. Yankees, as BK mentioned, finalizing a deal to acquire Joey Gallo. So, uh, I guess he's going to have to shave. No, he's got a beard. I didn't think about that. Yeah. He's got a beard. If he's going to the Yankees, he's got to shave. Ray, uh, Rangers will receive Josh Smith. It's pretty good haul. 14, uh, 14th prospect for the Yankees, a second baseman, the 15th, uh, a second baseman outfielder, the 23rd, and Glenn Otto. That's a pretty good haul for Joey Gallo. And I think Ryan Fagan hit it on the head in our interview just moments ago. You can understand if you're sitting in that seat and you're John Mosellock or whomever, it's hard to give up on prospects. You don't see it as much anymore because they're cost-controlled. You never want to give up the next guy that's going to be the MVP. That's clear. That's always been the case. But they're cost-controlled players. And that's why I think you see bigger market market teams saying, I'm uncomfortable doing it, but I'll go ahead and do it because I can make up with it with money if uh, this thing doesn't work out and we need to fill gaps next year, year after, whatever, when these guys have become major leaguers we can spend and use the dollars to make sure that we make the the hole, you know, we fill that hole, and that's how they do it. Yeah, I saw Baseball America tweeted out last night that uh, two of these guys were slated to move up in the Yankees' farm system in their midseason report, so they were going to be two top ten prospects exactly. that actually went in this hall. It's a big one for Texas. I mean, I, I understand if you're a Rangers fan today, you're probably frustrated because you thought maybe there was a chance Gallo could re-sign. And you're in the new ballpark. I get it. I really yep. do. Uh, but this is a really good return for a midseason guy. I, you don't typically see this for position players. You might see it for a starting pitcher of the caliber of Max Scherzer. You might see it for a bullpen arm like Craig Kimbrell. You almost never see it for a position player because those guys are so specific in terms of the teams that will need them. Everybody needs pitching. And that's why the prices get driven up. Position players, it's not that way. So it's a really good return for Gallo. It was the same thing for Starling Marte. Marte ended up getting a former uh, top 10 prospect. He's going right into the rotation for the Marlins. As he should. Jesus Luzardo. He has not been successful for the A's this year. He, He was not pitching particularly well for them. But... This is almost like an Alex Reyes type of a situation where it's a guy that previously was incredibly well-regarded in baseball circles. Now he's going to go get a second chance with the new team. Maybe the coaching staff works with them a little better, and he's able to take off. It's a huge return for a midseason rental. And my understanding, too, is that the Marlins had approached Marte on a couple of separate occasions and said, you know, hey, here's an extension that we're thinking of. There's a framework, and and he balked at it. So he is now with the A's. And remember, they also got Andrew Chafin from the Cubs, who's been a very good lefty for the Cubs out of their pen. Astros acquire Yemi Garcia from the Marlins in exchange for Austin Pruitt. He's a right-handed pitcher and a AAA outfielder in Brian De La Cruz. Apparently that outfielder is a center fielder and a good player. So maybe the Marlins... Did some pretty good damage here in a good way for themselves. Brewers acquire Eduardo Escobar from the Diamondbacks. We talked about that. Reds acquire uh, Michael Givens from Colorado for two pitching prospects. So the Reds, who have played... By the way, Joey Votto might be the hottest player in baseball right now. He's got seven home runs in his last five games. Um, The Reds all of a sudden, you know, trying to bolster what they had to bolster, which is their bullpen was awful. Awful at times this year with the injuries they you know over the weekend. That's why the, that was a missed opportunity for the Cardinals. Amir Garrett was not there. 
They had two guys that they were counting on that are hurt, Lorenzen being one, uh, TJ Antone, who is filthy, another. They were, they're on the IL. So, you know what? They had to bolster their bullpen to make a stretch run, and they've done that. This is the type of move that I would like to see the Cardinals made. Um, whether it be Michael Givens or somebody like Michael Givens, that's the kind of thing that I think they could use. Givens is not the perfect reliever, but he's pretty good. He can get you outs. You feel pretty good about him when he's coming into a game. You, you at least feel confident he's going to be able to get you three outs in a clean inning. And that's what they need right now. They need to add depth to that bullpen. So there's going to be other guys that are traded similar to Givens. And if this is the return that has kind of set the precedent for those types of players, I think that's the kind of move that we could expect or believe that the Cardinals could make today. COVID, obviously, still a factor in, in baseball. So the Nationals game last night at the Phillies is about an hour away from first pitch. Uh, that was postponed. Four players Eight staffers tested positive for COVID-19, so they're going to try to play a doubleheader today. Still scary, man. I mean, and that's why I asked the question to Ryan Fagan is, yeah, a player may be asymptomatic and have no idea that he has it, but they're getting tested, so he gets popped. You know, he he tests positive for COVID-19, and you're saying you're, you're trading for player X, and it's a rental, and you've got him for the two months, and you're hoping for the postseason, and all of a sudden he's out for 10 days. You know, that that could be a series, you know, in postseason and in certainly in regular season, 10 days, a week and a half. That's a long time, man. That's three three series that you're looking at. Let's say you're going head to head with the team you're trying to chase or hold off. I mean, that's a big deal to have that happen. It's huge. And the other thing is not just those 10 days. Imagine what happens after that. We don't know how it's going to affect these guys. We saw it last year with Lane Thomas and Paul DeYoung where it was like they got back. Yes. And they were there in body. But. Were they all the way there? Sure. It, it, didn't, it never really felt that way, and they talked about that after the season, how much they were affected by it. it. It's tough, and if you're a general manager, president of baseball operations, I know these are uncomfortable conversations to be had, but they're conversations that unfortunately have to be had. All of this medical information is shared, whether it be MRIs on shoulders and elbows. All of that stuff is already readily available between teams. This is a little different. It's a vaccination as opposed to something that is physically ailing you, but I think it's a question that's probably going to be and has been asked. Shohei Otani, he's back at it again. Otani, right field, a bullet, and down! Three-run shot, 37! All right, he's the MVP, right? I mean, is there any question that he's not the MVP? I mean, as long as he doesn't get hurt, he's the MVP. I wonder what it's like right now to be some of the better players in the American League and to look over and be like, again, again, really? Again with this guy? Shohei Otani is the story of the season, and I always look at it this way, Dan. Like, if you're looking back 20 years from now and you're talking about the 2021 Major League Baseball season, what are you talking about? And for this year... It's clear what we're all going to remember for this season. I know that the Angels are not a great baseball team, but individually, the guy that has had the greatest season, it's Shohei Otani, and there is no close second. I was uh, I saw a Zoom with him the other day. He's wearing a just a no jersey shirt. Had it was the sleeves are cut off. He is jacked. It's ridiculous. And he's got and he can run. He throws a hundred and he hits it over 110 miles an hour more than anybody in baseball. What was the Sports Illustrated story a while ago? Prospect X, I think right. is what it was called. Like we come to fruition. That guy is real. It was fake at the time, but now it's very real. And his name is Shohei Otani. Pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. So tomorrow should be an interesting show as we'll get a final word on what's happening with the trade deadline. Our thanks to Ryan Fagan and Tanner and UBK, and you're coming up. With 
with Alex for three more hours. Absolutely. we got a lot of Cardinals, a lot of Blues content over the next few hours as well. The first day of free agency came and went. The Blues did not make a move. They were one of just two teams that did not make a move. What does that mean? Are they? Is Doug Armstrong... Oh, he's lying in the weeds, weeds, and he's getting ready to make a big one. We'll talk about that coming up from 11 to 2 on 101 ESPN. Looking forward to that. We'll talk to everybody tomorrow. Have a great Thursday. See you on Friday on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to The Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home-trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.